everybody. Welcome to the Large Nerdron Collider podcast, the podcast that's all about the geeky things happening in the world around us and how very excited we are about them. I'm Ariel Kasten, and with me is the co-host I am most thankful for, uh, and not just because he's my only one, Jonathan Strickland. Ariel, we don't have time for introductions. There's too much news. Oh, crap. You're right. I'm so sorry. Oh, there's not even time for apologies. Yeah, so what we've decided to do is we're going to start this episode with a brand new segment that we're originally calling 30 Seconds or Less. That's right. We're going to cover some very quick news items within 30 seconds each. Uh, And if we haven't finished describing it by the time 30 seconds are up, too bad. So I'm going to start the clock and you're going to tell me about God of War and their weird trailer starting now. Okay, well, Weird Trailer is actually not even quite right. They did a comic video of like a therapy session with Ben Stiller and John Travolta and a bunch of people were all, they were all dads with their kids and they wanted to act like the God of War. Um, And it's hilarious. I wouldn't call it a trailer, but it was a lot of fun and it's, uh, it makes me excited for the next video game. Bam! And there was, there was about five seconds of actual gameplay footage in it and done at 28 seconds. Good. All right. That's one down. We're moving on to the next one. And because I'm looking at the timer, uh, Ariel gets to take this one too. Go. Okay. So, uh, we knew that, we heard a while back that Tim Allen was coming back as Santa Claus in the Santa Claus for a new series on Disney plus. And we got the first trailer for it. It looks like in this world, the Santa Claus family, um, if you followed the previous three movies, uh, are now kind of giving up their time as Santa Claus and struggling with it. And uh, if you like the Santa Clauses, you should check out the trailer. There you go. Yeah. Uh, apparently some sort of mistake has happened and the wrong person is Santa Claus. And we are done with time on that. Woo. Woo. Okay. All right. Next. The Eternal Daughter. I should probably explain what this is, shouldn't I? Because I actually was the one who brought this up. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll bring it up. Here we go. And starting the clock. The Eternal Daughter is a ghost story style movie starring Tilda Swinton. She actually is playing two parts. She's playing her uh, mother and daughter, uh, or a mother-daughter pair, rather. Both played by Tilda Swinton. This is not the first time Tilda Swinton has played multiple characters. She also did that in Suspiria. And uh, it looks really creepy and atmospheric. Looks like it's super slow moving and subtle. So it might not be for everyone, but it's totally my jam and I am done. Yeah, I think 27 seconds. I think it's interesting. I think the twist will be that she is going to be her own grandpa. Okay, uh, next we have The Machine, which I'm also going to make you explain, Jonathan. I'm watching the clock. All right, so The Machine, it is Burt Kreischer, the... Uh, the stand-up comedian he used to do this bit where he would explain how in florida state university he ended up uh, inadvertently joining the russian mafia on a school trip to russia and they've decided to make a movie inspired by that story it looks like it's absolutely ridiculous you should also know this is the same comedian that the film van wilder is actually based off of all right two seconds to spare next we have the norwegian monster movie the tr- uh, it's not even the troll it's just troll okay oh sorry ah time's going okay so this is yeah it's subtitled it looks fun there's a lot of bit of there's a little bit of comedy in it it's this this town where a giant troll comes to life and then wreaks havoc on the town kind of like Godzilla or King Kong they actually even make mention to the um King Kong in the trailer it's going to be on Netflix it looks like fun to me but I like big monster movies and it is clearly Norwegian in origin. It will have subtitles, and I'm not making any apologies for it. We are done. 
All right. So uh, that was fun. We also hope that you had fun over the spoopy Halloween uh, Halloween times. And uh, Jonathan and I both said that we were going to watch Werewolf by Night for Halloween. Yes, we did. We we both said that we would both watch Werewolf by Night. We made a solemn promise to our <laughs> listeners that both of us would watch, watch Werewolf by Night. But one of us decided not to watch Werewolf by Night. Yes, and that one of us is Jonathan Strickland. Whoopsie. It, in I did watch it in full honestly honesty I did not get to watch it on Halloween night but I did watch it uh this week um delightful delightful it was campy very much like everybody probably who's listening has already watched it and knows but I loved it it felt very like very true to the old pulpy monster movies I felt like between the characters there was actually a little bit of dissonance as far as where they fit into like a pulp genre, old black and white movie, I felt like the lead two characters fit very well. The antagonist kind of felt a little bit more like a spoof on such of a thing, a little bit extra campy. And then some of the other supporting characters felt a little modern to me. But all in all, a lot of fun, very enjoyable. The end is phenomenal. And yeah, I really loved it. That's great. Uh, it's interesting. I, I, Still do plan on watching it. It's just, it got away from me. I was watching Cabinet of Curiosities instead, the Guillermo del Toro. What'd you think of it? Uh, um, I'm, I'm not finished with all of them. I've watched five episodes so far. Um, they are of varying degrees of quality and tone. Like, they're all horror. Some are a little more body horror some of them are a little more like almost like campy horror, mm-hmm. not not as campy as something like Evil Dead, but definitely in uh, kind of a dark comedy tone. And um, the one I found most upsetting uh, is the I think it's called The Outsider uh, had uh, Kate Micucci, who I know from her her performances in Garfunkel and mm-hmm. Oates. Um, she is great in it. The story, it's a body horror story, but the thing that disturbed me wasn't the body horror. It was a character transformation. Not like a, not like a literal body horror style transformation, but a, a, a real change of a, a, a character who changes in my mind for the worse. And it was so upsetting to me that I was like, that's the most effective part of this horror story. And it's, I think that's what was intended, mm-hmm. um, which I thought was really cool. Like it's a horror movie that, or horror short in this case, that affected me, not because of the horror elements, but because of the implications of the choices a character makes. I, um, I mean, I've, I've said, I, I completely believe that I've said before that, especially in like, example, Supernatural, because I haven't watched Cabinet of Curiosities. It sounds like it probably would not be for me um in practice uh that the most effective monsters are the ones that could be really real people people are far scarier than zombies or werewolves or vampires or anything like that well and and this is a character who you are you are encouraged to sympathize with early on and that also makes it harder right when you're when it's a character you sympathize with and you're just watching this character make decisions that you know are not the right ones and they continue to do it. And it's just kind of crushing, Mm -hmm. not, and I'm I'm making this sound like it was a harrowing experience to watch. It wasn't. I just felt like it was effective 
Um, also, if you really want to see, this is a different episode of Cabinet of Curiosities, but if you want to see Crispin Glover attempt a turn-of-the-century New York ac- accent complete with things like, I hoid about that. You were at Woink. <laughs> like that kind of thing. Uh, this is the show for you because he's in an adaptation of H.P. Lovecraft's Pickman's model. Mm-hmm. And the accents in that are, uh, they're almost cartoonish because we're so far removed from that era and that specific accent. But everyone who's like got a major part in it really commits to that accent and it it's hard to get used to gotcha well you know crispin glover is an interesting person and i would say sometimes hard to get used to anyhow <laughs> ted where's where's the corkscrew ted ted we just want to know where the corkscrew I, is you know i don't know him personally he just he he makes some interesting acting choices which often can be fun to watch um he he seems very interesting yeah i uh, also just made a reference that ariel does not get I would not expect her to get, but it'll, I'll I'll explain it later because we'll be talking about something related to it. Yeah. Um, okay. So, okay. Now we do have news. We've said we had a lot of news. We do have a lot of news. And the first couple of things we're going to talk about are uh, news surrounding our favorite Disney Plus Marvel show, WandaVision. Right. Uh, first up is that we now know we're getting a another WandaVision spinoff. We're already getting an Agatha spinoff. Mm-hmm. But we're also going to get a Vision spinoff, Vision Quest. And for anyone who hasn't seen WandaVision yet and wonders how the heck can you have a Vision series after he died in uh, Infinity War? Um, well, spoiler alert, you need to watch WandaVision. Mm-hmm. But in that, they the sword, the successor to S.H.I.E.L.D., is able to replicate the robotic elements of Vision and then the dream version of Vision shares his memories with the robot version. And we get a brand new robot Vision that has the memories of his uh, previous self. But we haven't seen him since then. He disappeared at the end of WandaVision. He flew up into the sky and we don't know what he's been up to. And Vision Quest sounds like it is going to pick up where that left off. Maybe that means we'll also get... Elizabeth Olsen back as uh, as Wanda, even if it's just in flashbacks and memories. I guess, yeah, I guess we'll have to see. It's It's been, I mean, back when WandaVision ended, it was real tight-lipped on whether we were getting any more Paul Bettany as Vision. So now we'll see if we get more Elizabeth Olsen as well. I hope so. Um, I really, I really want those two kids to make it. Uh- <laughs> yeah, as, as my wife says about Wanda in Doctor Strange and Multiverse of Madness, she says, they did her dirty. They did do her dirty. Also, Agatha Harkness did her dirty in WandaVision. And we know that, as you said, that is, we're getting the the spinoff with her. But now we know that Aubrey Plaza is going to be in it, uh, which is interesting to me. Because as soon as that news broke, one of my friends was like, I really hope she plays Lenny from Legion. I don't know if, yeah, we don't know what she's going to play. We don't know if she's actually going to play someone who's from the Marvel comics world, or if it'll be a brand new creation, like, like Dottie, uh, that Emma Caulfield plays. We don't know. Whether you it'll be know, Dottie's Mephisto. Well, <laughs> we, we know that we know that we all wanted Dottie <laughs> to be Mephisto and maybe it will turn out that Dottie is Mephisto. And this will be like the biggest swerve where Marvel says, you know what? You're right. We probably should have pulled the trigger and made her Mephisto the first time around. Yeah. Oh, they're really good at, if not planning those things, 
making it seem like they planned those things far in advance. Um, I feel like they were better at it towards the beginning of, of time. Now there's so much Marvel that sometimes it can be a little sloppy, but I still enjoy it. Um, something else, I think it's been driving me crazy since you added this to the list, Jonathan, because uh, we're getting a Wonder Man Disney Plus series. I feel like they alluded to Wonder Man in one of their other Marvel TV shows, and I cannot for the life of me figure out which one it was or what it was. But in my brain, I'm like, oh, yeah, they talked about Wonder Man and we talked about how that would be ridiculous. It's driving me crazy. It's 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 interesting because like it's a character, uh, one of the more obscure Marvel characters, I would say. Um, and he in the comics uh, served as the the actual personality for vision talking about vision again. So, you know, we, in, in the MCU, they took Friday or actually Jarvis, they took Jarvis from Tony Stark's uh, AI that was in his suit. And that became the basis for vision. But in the comics, it was wonder man and wonder man started off as a first. He started off kind of as a, a, a Tony Stark competitor, he ended up becoming a villain, uh, had a change of heart, turned into a hero. Presumably, the MCU version is going to be totally different from that. Uh, we know that Yahya Abdul-Mateen II is in talks, or actually I think has signed on to play Wonder Man, which is cool. So I'm um, I'm really curious about this because I don't know what to expect. It's it's yeah. definitely going to be different from the comics, which is not a bad thing, as we have seen mm -hmm. in previous MCU stuff. But uh, but it means that I don't know where they're going with it. Yeah, I find that exciting, though, like because there is so much that is pretty predictable in Marvel, especially as you get into like later phases, because they've already established so much. It's it's nice to have some surprise. A not so nice surprise. And I love the way you <laughs> added this to our show notes is uh mm -hmm. You put, we're getting another Eternals movie, so MCU has a second chance to make Jonathan care. Yeah, so peek behind the curtain, I uh, handled the lineup for the most part this week. Because so, you're amazing. So instead of just putting in something like trailer for so-and-so, I, I had a little commentary in our lineup. And yeah, I, so yeah, I, I did not like the first Eternals movie. I didn't hate it the way some people did. I just felt that it was not really terribly engaging and i didn't like i didn't like the chronology of the film i didn't like how the film played with time because i didn't think it was i thought it was more confusing and less effective than it could have been if it had been played sequentially yeah i had i think they had some a few cool concepts that none of were effective like i i, I would say like I, I might be closer to hate from from dislike or didn't care about but um, hate's such a strong word and I don't like wasting it on movies <laughs> I like that exactly I like that they did a lot for representation in mm -hmm. the Eternals like you had some great representation in there and I like seeing that yeah. but I almost feel like there's not enough substance there to make the representation mean anything I, I agree but I also think that you are wrong in your uh commentary because we don't know if we're getting another Eternals movie. We just know we're going to see those characters again. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. We know that the Eternals are coming back. Uh, 
Maybe they'll come back for the next Avengers film and they'll say, sorry, we have to sit this one out too. We don't even have a good reason why. It's just we have to invent a reason why we don't get involved in big galactic conflicts because we totally should have been in on that whole Thanos thing. It doesn't well, even make sense within the context of our own movie, but we're out. The old movie doesn't even make context in itself because there's a giant, like, Titan angel thing. What I don't even remember what they're called at this moment. Sticking out of the ocean. And celestial. A celestial. We've definitely had movies since the timing of the Eternals in, in the timeline that don't address a giant celestial sticking out of the ocean. Well, yeah, I mean, they're... <laughs> well... I guess, depending on where that ocean is, like, if it's not close to New York or Los Angeles, although it would have been it. great to have had, it would have been great to have a throwaway joke in She-Hulk about it. That would have been hilarious. Yeah. Um. Anyhow, I guess we'll see what happens. They do. They did set up a lot of things that, while I don't care if they get resolved, you know, I'm sure people do. Um. I know there are people who enjoyed the movie. The next thing we're going to talk about is the sequel to Enchanted. Uh, a movie that came out so many years ago that some of our listeners may not have watched it. Um, <laughs> but it was a story about a, a cartoon Disney princess who came to New York and brought her magic into New York. In like, It went from cartoon to live action, fell in love and started a family. And now we've got this sequel where she's discontent with her real life life. Surprise, surprise. Um, and shenanigans happen. When they first announced that Disenchanted was going to happen, I thought for sure it was going to be a divorce movie. And that concept did not appeal to me at all because I loved Enchanted so much. I thought it was such a happy, fun, uplifting movie. This new trailer has turned me back around, and I think I'm really interested in it again. Yeah, so it, it seems to be playing on the trope of when you when you get established and you move to the suburbs and you're settling down, and then you start to feel discontent with your life because you're in the suburbs. You're not living that exciting life you did when you were younger. Um, it, like we've seen so many stories in America in particular that have dealt with this, like this idea of the suburbs is kind of where you you experience a long, slow death. Mm -hmm. Like that's kind of that's kind of the the motif. Uh, by the way, one of the two of us lives in the suburbs and the other one doesn't. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm close uh, the, enough to the city. The one who doesn't live in the suburbs also didn't watch Werewolf by Night. I am um, close enough to the city. Roswell, we always have things filming here. It's like the city. It's it's Atlanta light. I it's not complete. I, I mean, things literally are filming across the street all the time from me. So, um, anyway, anyway, <laughs> that seems to be what this is about. And she she gets the chance to make a wish to make her life more fairy tale ish. And uh, we start to see our beloved farmer princess character kind of descend into villain character. But she's not the only villain in town, so we get a villain off. And I think uh, this could be fun. I'm hoping that what they do is that they also make fun of some of the movies they've done in order to explore villains, specifically Maleficent. Mm -hmm. I would love to see like those be kind of the targets of some of the jokes, because the first film was clearly making jokes about the uh, cliches associated with Disney princesses. Yeah, I, I would like that as well. I'm very much looking forward to it. If you have Disney Plus, you'll be able, you'll be able to watch it because that's where it's coming out. It's not going to be a theater release, unlike the sequel to Avatar, not The Last Airbender, Blue People no. in Space. No, no, no. Blue People in Space. You know, Blue Pocahontas. Um <laughs> 
Yeah, like, I still have never seen the first Avatar film. I, I feel like if... I know some people really liked it. I watched it like three times, partially just because of different groups that wanted to go see it. It, it was long. It was okay. I wouldn't say that the story was anything fantastic. Really, the point to see it would be to watch it on the big screen in 3D or to watch watch the pretty CGI. And I've done that now. And I'm good. Yeah, I, I feel nothing about this. Uh, kind of like the Eternals. I feel nothing about Avatar. Um, I watched the, we got the trailer Avatar, the way of the water and, um, or the way of water. There's not the way of the water. Uh, I watched the whole thing, the whole trailer. And at the end of it, I was just like, I, I have no desire to see this. It doesn't make me want to watch the first one. And it doesn't make me want to watch this one. And I, I, fully admit i am not the audience for these movies mm -hmm. it is they just just it just doesn't appeal to me um so, but i know that there are people who really like them although it's funny because most of those people that i meet are incapable of naming three characters from the movie they can tell you that the the alien species is called the navi they might be able to say sully that would be like one he's name. from monsters <laughs> inc that's not even he's blue but he's not <laughs> Uh, no, uh, I, I think you're I think you're right. I think it might be a thing. I didn't have. Um, so I do have feelings because the trailer looked better than one. The one that I saw in the movie theater, um, the, the first trailer they released for this when I saw it in the movie theater, I just thought it looked worse than the original movie. This one is not quite as bad. But again, I was watching it on my computer and not on a big screen. Also, it's going to be an over three hour movie. Why? Why? That upset me so much. I couldn't even read the article about it. I read the headline. I read two sentences and I said, nope, I can't. And I closed it. Yeah. Even the article was too long for Ariel, who needs her films to be in TikTok style. Why you got to at me like that? If it... <laughs> I, I think so. I think when I watched the trailer that one of my reactions was this feels like it's two different stories at least like two different big narratives going on in this one film almost to the point where it felt like this should be two films mm -hmm. not one film not that i not that i think we need more avatar sequels but it just it it didn't like as i was watching it i was like how is this scene that I'm watching, how does that fit in with the scene I saw at the beginning yeah, of this Yeah, Jonathan, you know, making two sequels for Avatar, that would be crazy. Who wants to, like, one sequel, maybe two sequels? No, no, I know. Hope, hope you like six no, of them. No, I know, I know. I was trying to be silly. Um, yeah. A sequel that I never knew I wanted. In fact, I, at one point in time, I would have told you very specifically I didn't want it would be a sequel to A Christmas Story. It's a story about Ralphie, the kid who's got a hard tough kid life and wants a bb gun but his parents don't want to get it for him because he'll shoot his eye out a lot of people like this christmas movie if you've seen like a a, a leg lamp at christmas time if you haven't watched a christmas story and you've seen like a leg lamp come, come out at christmas time that's what it's from um but if you don't have tbs and you <laughs> haven't turned to tbs during the month of december then you probably haven't seen a christmas story but like I've watched a Christmas story. I've seen it a few times. I feel like it's a very mean spirited Christmas movie. Very is a strong word. I mean, I don't think if I don't think it's very mean spirited, but I do think it is cynical. Maybe 
I don't even think it's that cynical, but satirical, probably mm. like it's it's definitely poking fun at a lot of different things, because ultimately I feel like the movie does have a very heartwarming conclusion. Mm. Um, it's not the kind of movie where it it subverts your expectations and pulls the rug out under you at the end. And then you're like, wow, life is crappy like it has a happy ending and it has some heartwarming moments, but it's really supposed to be, it's really the, the, the gathering of a bunch of different stories, mm -hmm. which is how it started. Anyway, the guy who wrote it was writing stories for playboy and those <laughs> all got collected together to become a Christmas story. And um, yeah. So what we're getting now is a Christmas story, Christmas where the same actor Billingsley who played uh, Ralphie in the, original Christmas story is now an adult and is attempting to have a great Christmas. And he's thinking to himself, you know, my dad was really good at this. I should be good at this too. And he starts to encounter that things are not as simple as he, it's not as easy as just wanting to have a great Christmas. Yes. Yeah. But the thing I'll say as much as I I'm at best fair weather about the original Christmas story, this trailer looks so delightful. It it has um a genuineness and like a caringness to it that makes me really want to watch it. And it brings back a bunch of actors who were kids in the original Christmas story to be there as their adult selves, which I think is both amusing and unrealistic because uh, there's not a single person from my life as a kid who's in my life today. <laughs> I mean, my best friend I've known since I was two. So, uh, <laughs> I don't know I, your it, best friend. You do. You've met her. She listens to the show. Oh, well, we really appreciate you since you're one of the four. Yes. <laughs> uh, it's more than four people, Jonathan. It's more than four people. It's more than four people. I love you all. I'm very thankful for every single one of you. That is more than four. Okay. Uh, <laughs> anyhow, I think the trailer's cute. You should watch it, even if you weren't a fan of the original, especially if you were a fan of the original. Check it out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, as far as we know, there are no Red Rider BB guns going ballistic in that in that film. Yeah. However, there's we're going to follow up with some sad news. If you're a fan of the Stargirl series, it is coming to an end. Yes. It, once it concludes its third season, it is donezo. Uh, the good news is that the showrunners suspected that that was going to be the case before the decision was officially made and started to make preparations to try and wrap up storylines. And then once they got confirmation that when they finish, that's it, uh, they really were able to cement that. So the good news is that things should have a satisfying conclusion, like the, the storyline should be wrapped up. It's not a huge surprise. Stargirl is a DC-based property, and we've been seeing pretty much all the TV series that are related to DC kind of get uh, either canceled or they decide to not renew them, or mm. in some cases just might get shelved forever. Um, so this is another case of that. And uh, meanwhile, Warner Brothers Discovery will continue its quest to cut until they bleed so that they can start making money. Yeah, because they had they lost a couple billion dollars this past quarter or year. I'm not sure which. They've lost some money. So like from a business standpoint, I kind of understand it. From someone who whose favorite content in all of those areas is DC stuff, it's 
frustrating. It, it makes me worried because in interest of full disclosure, you know, I used to work under the discovery umbrella, right? Like discovery owned how stuff works for a while. And I saw how David Zaslav works and the, the shift toward progressively cheaper productions that could keep costs way down while still getting lots of views. It, it, it set a precedent in my mind where I, nothing surprises me anymore. Like I, I expect to see stuff that might be, might require more, more production and also maybe more niche oriented. I expect to see that stuff get the ax because it's easier to produce cheaper stuff that's going to appeal to a lot of people. Which, but I'm sure there's some sort of middle ground because he's also talked about wanting to do better with DC and we can do better and we can have a better DC universe. A lot of that's movies, but, um, but we'll see. We know that we're getting more Peacemaker and we know that we're getting more Doom Patrol. We've talked about that recently. <laughs> Look, I keep saying Peacekeeper. Thank you, Farscape. But anyhow, um, you know, and, and uh, he even wants to make more Harry Potter stuff, although I am done, done with that universe. Yeah, this isn't even universe. He wants to make more Harry Potter stuff. It doesn't say he wants to make more Wizarding World type stuff. It's I think he wants literally to bring the character of Harry Potter back. And he says that Warner Brothers Discovery would be completely amenable to making more Harry Potter movies if J.K. Rowling is on board. Uh, this obviously has stirred up a lot of conversation because, you know, obviously J.K. Rowling is a, a controversial figure. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of people who have turned away from her because of her transphobic views, which she has not been shy about sharing at every opportunity. And so, um, yeah, this is a it, on the one hand, I'm not surprised because obviously Zaslav is going to look at all the different stuff that. Warner Brothers and Discovery has that have made money in the past and say, how can we do more of that so we can make more money, please? And Harry Potter undeniably was an enormous, yes. enormous cash cow. But that story has been told. That story has been concluded, like beyond J.K. Rowling, beyond the controversy there. That story's done. More pizza does not always equal more better. I have friends that will argue that, but <laughs> like we don't need more. We don't No, I agree. I I'm I'm with you. I don't I think it's best to honestly like to me the Harry Potter saga alone uh went off the rails around halfway through. Mm -hmm. And uh, both for the books and for the films. Um and so I have no desire to see any of this even if JK Rowling had kept her views to herself and we didn't know anything about her or if even better, she didn't feel that way. Mm -hmm. uh, even if that were the case, I don't think I'd be eager for more Harry Potter content anyway, because I really only like the first half of the Harry Potter saga. And after that, it really, mm -hmm. I, it just loses its charm for me. I, I didn't even like that much. I mean, I finally finished it. Uh, I want to say... <laughs> Well, after the series came out, I finished it. It took a long, long time, and it required me watching it on TV. Um, so I guess we'll see what happens there. I know that he wants to make another Superman movie, and we know Henry Cavill's coming back as Superman. So um, I'm excited for that. Um, 
something else that I'm vaguely okay with in all of this upheaval is just having some of our streaming services getting combined together. Dear goodness. Yeah. So we, we knew that Warner brothers discovery was going to merge uh, the discovery streaming app and the HBO max streaming app. And previously we had heard to expect that for the summer of next year, but on an earnings call, Zaslav uh, announced to investors that that's going to get moved up to the spring. So we're actually getting it earlier than we thought. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm okay with that bit of it. Um, I think there are too many streaming services. I understand why everybody wants to do it. I, I don't understand all of the metrics behind it, but there are too many streaming services. If I can condense some of them, great. I'm okay with it being consolidated, except that I I'm just hoping that navigation will be easy. So it'll be very easy to find the stuff you want. And I'm also hopeful that, we're not going to just continuously hear about more and more uh, streaming series getting axed unless they are super, super cheap to produce. Yeah. Yeah. I hope, I hope so as well. You know, with James Gunn being a part of the, the mind trust behind DC now, um, hopefully he's, hopefully he cares. It seems like he cares and hopefully he'll, he'll fight for the things that are worth fighting for. Um, we do know that he's going to be reporting directly to Zaslov. So it's not like, like it's, there's not going to be other layers of hierarchy for him to get through. So if I, I'm guessing that's going to give us the best chance mm-hmm. for a, a kind of re, uh, reinvigorated DC. Yeah. And, and if he just wanted to ax DC altogether, that would be dumb and he wouldn't have hired James Gunn. But speaking of Henry Cavill playing Superman, that does mean we found out that he will not be playing The Witcher in season four. Have they released all three seasons of The Witcher? Season three? No. Okay. Uh, but at, at, at least as far as I understand it. So I've been hearing that Henry Cavill became disenchanted, but not in the Amy Adams kind of way, <laughs> with uh, with The Witcher series starting in season two, because they began to depart from the source material both the books and the the video games. They were departing from that. And I, as I understand it, Henry Cavill, who was clearly very passionate about the source material, he has in multiple interviews expressed that he was really excited mm-hmm. about, about getting a chance to do this because he was so invested in the source material uh, that he didn't like where things were going anyway. The added uh, complication of him going to you know play superman again and presumably do it fairly frequently means that he wouldn't really have the availability for this but i i get the feeling like this was also his choice to step away because he didn't like the direction of the series in general yeah yeah um I mean, and if you are disenchanted with the series and you have you know some some actors stick with the series because that's the job they have right it pays the bills um but acting's about being passionate about the story you're telling. I feel like a lot of times it's better if you are. So if you're disenchanted, um, yeah, I don't think it's a bad decision to step away. Liam Hemsworth is taking on the role and he's a good actor and I'm excited to yeah. see him and see what he brings to the character. I really hope yeah. they Thor's little brother, Thor's little brother, not Loki. No, his, <laughs> but, but Thor's little brother, the actor who plays Thor's little brother. I, you know, I'm I'm excited to see what he brings to it. I hope he also brings them tightening up their writing a little bit because, ooh, it's a hard story to follow. 
I don't I don't know how much input he's going to have in that. I mean, like that I might know. be part of it is they're also probably eager to get someone who doesn't have that deep emotional investment with the source material because then they're just they're doing a gig mm-hmm. <laughs> and you don't have to worry about them getting upset that the gig is not going in the direction they were hoping. Yeah. Uh, you know, something that we learned this week also is that uh, Netflix has renewed Neil Gaiman's Sandman for season two. Uh, I still haven't started watching I, Sandman. You, you did. I finished it. I, I wanted to like it so much more than I did. I really did. Mm. I like, I like Neil Gaiman. Um, I, I like American Gods, and I've read some of the, I've read some of the Sandman comic stuff, and the little bits that I've read have been good. But apparently, I've skipped a bunch of the horrible stuff. You you talked about in a previous episode of this podcast how there was like one issue of Sandman that just turned you off. That happened in a diner. That episode was horrible. I hated everything of the TV show because it's an episode of the TV show. Um, I could tell you which one, so you could just skip it if you do want to watch it. Um, it's just. There was nothing redeeming about that episode. I hated it from beginning to end. And then the next episode of Sandman was the best episode of the entire show. And then everything else just left me ho-hum. There are some characters I liked, and most of them didn't matter and didn't come back up. And I just didn't feel like there was rewarding uh, resolution to a lot of the things. And I get that that's part of the comic, but it just, much like the ends of the She-Hulk episodes, uh, the, of the TV show, like I felt like our She-Hulk TV show, I felt like there was just a lot of cliffhanging that left me going, "Okay, why do I care?" Yeah. Hmm. Well, having not watched it, I can't really give my two cents on it. I've only read a few dozen Sandman comics. Uh, uh, my my uh, roommate in college had several of the collections, and I read like maybe the first one. So, uh, but I'm glad to hear that the story will continue mm-hmm. for those fans who are deeply invested in the show. I'm always glad to hear that Neil Gaiman is doing well. Uh, if that means that he gets to write more twisted and uh, skewed fiction, I'm all for it. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm very happy for him. <laughs> yeah, I hope season two might even be better. Um, as the season went on, it definitely got better. I hope they bring back some of the characters I liked from the beginning of the season. I'll tell you, uh, after, I'll tell you at some point, Jonathan, what episode you should watch if you don't watch any of the rest of it. But something I think we're both going to watch is the holiday movie that's coming, I think, out this year, Spirited. Yeah, this is the one I always think of. Of oh, this is the movie they were shooting when they did the uh, uh, Grace Kelly TikTok challenge when Ryan Reynolds and and uh, Will Ferrell did their version of the song Grace Kelly by Mika. Uh, Spirited, of course, is a retelling of Christmas Carol. In fact, it gets very meta about that, which we didn't really know until this trailer. This trailer goes more into the idea that uh, the story of the Christmas Carol is one version of a story that's been told countless times throughout the Mm -hmm. years. And the trailer looks cute, except... They still really haven't shown Ryan Reynolds's character as being particularly awful yet. Like there's some he's being snarky mm-hmm. in it, but like I'd say he's being snarky at the same level as just general <laughs> Ryan Reynolds or Star Lord from Guardians of the Galaxy. Like he's not coming across as 
a miser or a terrible person. And I'm sure that that's going to be addressed in Mm -hmm. the movie, but the trailers have given me no hint of it whatsoever. So the implication I get is, oh, we're being told he's bad, but we're not being shown that he's bad. We're just getting lots of Will Ferrell getting to do goofy physical comedy bits. Yeah, it feels very much like a watered down Scrooge from this trailer. That being said, I'm excited to get to see uh, Ryan Reynolds and Will Ferrell sing and dance together. And honestly, I feel like from what I see of Will Ferrell's character is that he seems nice and genuine. And I always preferred that. I I love when Will Ferrell plays someone who's like genuinely nice as opposed to someone who is just so zany. It's unbelievable. Yeah, there's definitely some zany stuff in here, too, Mm -hmm. though. And it's it's funny. I mean, it's also clear that in the world of spirited that the story a christmas carol exists right because they make a reference to that yeah in the trailer as well and you're like okay wait a minute so in this world charles dickens wrote a christmas carol which apparently was a true story (laughs) (laughs) or based on a true story and so those people apparently actually existed because the ghosts are referencing them as being real in history which just it gets confusing because you're like, well, if they're real, why was there, why was there a popular Dickens story? Whatever. So yeah, I, I'm curious enough. I'll watch it. You know, maybe it'll be kind of similar to Scrooged. Uh, Maybe it'll be a lot similar to Scrooged. We'll have to see. Yeah, But I feel like you have to watch most, and I do too, most Christmas Carol things that come out. So. Yeah. I feel like I, I try to, because I do, I genuinely like the story and I don't get tired of seeing new interpretations of it and and new you know takes on the mm-hmm. story. So if it's done well, I appreciate it. If it if it's just like a cheap go through by the numbers version of it, then I'm out. Uh, one version I can highly recommend. Well, highly is being generous. I can recommend is uh, is a Christmas Carol goes wrong. Mm-hmm by the mischief theater group, yeah. the, the play that goes wrong. Group. That's fun. That one is pretty funny. Yeah, I agree. Um, so do you, you don't get tired of that. Sorry. Do you get tired of um, Friday the 13th retellings of that? I mean, only when it falls in December. So not like when it falls in March, you're fine with that. No, no. When it's, when it's in December, like the 13th of December is just a terrible day. <laughs> I mean, it's just the worst. It is like nothing good ever happens on December 13th. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you, Jonathan. I'm glad that I oh, am nothing oh, good. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh, crap. That's your birthday. <laughs> Thanks uh, for telling the entire wide world. Uh, no, it's totally well, fine. I mean, it's totally yeah. fine. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, no, I, that was me obviously just being, being a, a jerk face. Yeah. No, uh, uh I don't know that I would say I get tired of Friday the 13th. I'm not that invested in Friday the 13th. By the way, it was Friday the 13th. I was referencing earlier when I talked about Crispin Glover saying, Ted, where's the corkscrew? I'm leaving out. I'm leaving out a a naughty word. Ah. But that's a quote from from a Friday the 13th film where Crispin Glover was one of the teenagers who gets uh, killed. He he then gets a a corkscrew through the hand. I just assumed it was. Uh, a quote that I had forgotten from Back to the Future, quite honestly. No, no, it, yeah, it wasn't milkshake chocolate or anything like that. Uh, yeah, so we're we're getting on Peacock a Friday the Thirteenth 
prequel series set at Crystal Lake called Crystal Lake. And you might wonder why, and you would not be alone because I'd be wondering it too. Uh, for one thing, this this particular production does not have all the rights to all the intellectual property attached to Friday the 13th. So, for example, they don't have the right to have uh, to show the adult Jason in the hockey mask. So I'm guessing they'll have young Jason. Like, this is supposed to be a prequel series. Uh, young Jason, who's supposed to be a kid who has some um, physical deformities that uh, that end up be making him the target of bullying and teasing. Mm-hmm. And so maybe this will play into that and and potentially his mother, who ends up being spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't seen the original Friday the 13th movie. She's the killer. <laughs> and the, it's not Jason in mm-hmm. the first Friday the 13th. It's Mrs. Voorhees, his mother. Um, I I just question whether this even makes sense because i'm like if you don't have rights to the adult jason um you're not really leading to anything right because you can't ever lead to the point where the jason of the series becomes the jason of the films yeah right you 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 can never it's kind of like smallville and wondering if superman was ever going to get his cape that kind of thing and I just don't know that there's anything interesting to say there. Like it, originally I was like, is this just going to be a series about kids going to summer camp? And if so, why are you connecting it to Friday the 13th? Yeah. Yeah. I guess, I guess we'll see as it gets closer, what they're going to do with that. Maybe it'll be something really interesting. Like, well, s- let, let me, let me ask you this though, Ariel. Uh-huh. Did you ever see Friday the 13th, the series? No, not, not the, the old TV series that used to come out. I have not watched any Friday the 13th. So here's the here's the thing. Friday the 13th, the series had nothing to do with the Friday the 13th movies at all. Was it just people staring at the calendar going, huh, it's the 13th. (laughs) It didn't even have anything to do with Friday the 13th. No, uh, it was it, it was using a title and that was it. It was a series that was similar to something like Amazing Stories or Twilight Zone with the premise being that there's this uh, or warehouse 13 later on warehouse mm-hmm. 13 has a, is a very similar in some ways in that you have this antique shop and it's filled with various cursed items. And every week these two young adult characters to uh, like a man and a woman and their elderly curiosity shop owner uh, friend would go on these kind of adventures in an effort to, get hold of these various artifacts and lock them away so that they couldn't cause harm. Gotcha. Nothing to do with Friday the 13th. I would totally love to see that series come back. I I would watch that series. I I mean, I've seen people play on that series concept for a while. I mean, I think Twilight Zone does. I know that the Thrilling Adventure Hour has an episode or two that's similar to that with their uh, Frank and Sadie Doyle Beyond Belief series. Um, Yeah, that that I would watch. Maybe I'll go back and watch it. Something else that I've started watching is Rings of Power on Amazon. I know it's late, but I was waiting to watch it with my friends. We were working through Sandman because we do a group watch. Um, And we started on Rings of Power. The first episode was meh. The second episode I actually quite enjoyed. But now we're going to get more Lord of the Ring content. Lord of the Ring? Lord of the Dance of the Rings uh, content. um, Because Andy Serkis is going to be narrating an audiobook version of The Cimmerillion, the thing that everybody has been clamoring for. <laughs> yes. If you have sat there and thought, I want 
some extremely dense poetic content set in the world of not even the world of Middle Earth, because this predates Middle Earth. Middle Earth doesn't exist yet. Uh, but in, in Tolkien's mythology, good news, you'll be able to listen to it with Andy Serkis narrating it. Um, I've read The Silmarillion twice. Uh, I love it because I was a major in English lit and uh, Tolkien was really kind of writing in this antiquated style. Like he was he was emulating like sagas and poetry of uh, the early English historical era. Mm -hmm. And I appreciated it from that perspective. It is not like, it's not like a novel. It's not a story from beginning to end. It's a whole bunch of different things all put together that are almost like a literary history of this world that eventually becomes middle earth. So if you love Tolkien, I think that this might be something interesting to listen to. Mm -hmm. I'll probably listen to it. I like Andy Serkis. I like Tolkien. I have read the Silmarillion twice though. So we'll see I'm if I want to experience it in a different form. I've read bits and pieces of it. I don't know if I've read it all the way through. Maybe I have definitely not more than once. What? And I know he won't at first. I was like, maybe he'll do it all in his like Smeagol voice, but he won't because that's not a thing. It's not a thing. <laughs> well, Smeagol doesn't exist in, the, like I said, in, in those stories. Like I said, it's not a thing yet. Um, but you know, he's, he's a great actor and, um, I'll probably give it a listen. I, I think it would be easier for me to listen to it than read it again or try to read it again. Okay, our last thing, <laughs> you better, because our last story we have to talk about is Doctor Who. So we talked about uh, David Tennant coming back. Oh, spoiler, 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 blah, 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 blah. David Tennant coming back as Doctor Who, at least briefly, and Jonathan had opinions on it. And now there's a video kind of talking about it that I did not realize was a 12 minute video and did not have time to listen to before this episode. So take it away, Jonathan. Yes. Okay. So, so Joe Brennan uh, on YouTube posted a, a video called the real reason David Tennant is back as Dr. Who. And if you remember from our last episode, I was cynically worried that the reason they went with David Tennant is because they're saying goodbye to Jodie Whittaker, uh, who has the audacity of being a woman, and they're about to move on to Judy Godway, who has the audacity to be, you know, black, and thus the going back to David Tennant is a way of cushioning between these two choices for Doctor, who don't fall into the same pattern as like most of the previous doctors who were white and male. So that was my worry was that this was a way to try and uh, reset so that you didn't go from uh, from unconventional pick to unconventional pick and lose your audience. What Joe does in this video is he says, you know, it's really more about the fact that Chudy is busy shooting other stuff, including the Barbie movie mm -hmm. and that, and that he's not available to shoot any doctor who in the near term, but it is the 60th anniversary of doctor who. And they're like, Jody is done. Chudy's not ready yet. Do we just go radio silent until he is available? And then we start shooting. And then those shows won't be ready for months later. And we miss out on that. Or do we give fans something they like as a bridge 
between the previous doctor and the next doctor. And they chose to go with the second option. And I really like that take. Mm -hmm. Uh, I really like the idea that this is something where we're trying to uh, tell great stories and entertain the fans while we're waiting for the logistics to line up Mm -hmm. so we can make more new episodes. If that's the case, then I would feel so much better. Like my cynical reaction would be, I could just dismiss it. I I mean, I don't know much about Russell T Davies personally. I I like what he, what he's done with the franchise in the past. And I would hope that his motivations would be closer to what this YouTube commenter said than to your fears. I certainly know that there are people who are just buttheads in the doctor who fandom, but I'd like to think the majority of people aren't, but you know, yeah, uh, that's just because it's a fandom I love. And I, you know, it, anyhow i hope that that's the case that i mean it makes a lot of sense i i if i were a showrunner would not want to miss out on the 60th anniversary of a show simply because my new star is not ready yet you know and it's great that they're being considerate about uh chudy's schedule so um yeah that's that's some hopefully happy news to end on um you know, it's it's been really great. We don't have a mashup this week. Hopefully we'll get back to those soon. Um, before we wrap up, I yeah. go ahead. All I was going to say is that, yeah, we'll get back to the mashups as soon as geek news calms the heck down. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and speaking of geeks and all of our listeners that are more than four, Jonathan, thank you to Gregory for reaching out to us this past week and sharing your Halloween photos of your family. It was absolutely uh, lovely. Love them, love them, love them. Thank you so much. Yes. And uh, just so you all know, as long as this episode was, we actually cut four stories from our lineup. Mm-hmm. And if you can guess what any of those four stories were, we will call you out by name and say that you are a smarty smarty. So I am just going to highlight those in our lineup so that way oh, we don't forget. That's, that's that <laughs> you're smart, Jonathan. Yeah, that's me. I don't remember which ones they were. Smart. Oh, is this one? This one here? This one? Oh, they are not going to guess that one, one Jonathan. <laughs> no, I no. If they guess that one, I will be. <laughs> if you guess the one that I just highlighted, Ariel will call you. It might have only been. Th- uh, <laughs> it might have only been three stories. Oh no! Oh yes, it was. No, it was okay. three because we moved one of them down to the bottom yeah. when we did the uh, thirty seconds. Also, if you like the thirty seconds or less, like. Uh, we had a, re- a listener recently tell us that they wanted to hear more about independent film and sh- TV shows and things that are not necessarily Marvel, DC, Harry Potter, the big, you know, the big Star Wars. So if you like that, too, we'll certainly try to keep we're certainly trying to cover them. But if you like the 30 second, like, hey, here's the things I should check out. Let us know because we'll keep doing it. Yeah, because we're you know, we look deeply at the news for this kind of stuff. But part of the challenge is that a lot of the news outlets are focusing on those huge franchises mm-hmm. and so sometimes the smaller stuff slips through the cracks and we don't get a chance to to see it until people like you know you've got like a couple of people raving about it like the the example i would say from this past year would be everything everywhere all at mm-hmm. once that was one of those things that because of word of mouth that became a big thing but when it first initially came out um it it just had its own like 
very dedicated small group of uh, fans who who definitely allowed it to flourish. Yeah. Oh, something we forgot to mention. As of recording this today, November 4th, the Weird Al movie is now actually available on Roku. I know I said it was available back in September, but that was just at film festivals. Now it is actually available on the Roku channel. Check it out. It is funny. <laughs> <laughs> I watched I watched the first half of it. I had to stop because I was like, I was like, I actually have to get to work now. But I watched about half of it this morning. And uh, the thing that I love about it most is that it is doing a great job at making fun of rock and roll biopics and or, or biopics, if you prefer. Uh, but it's doing a great job at taking those beat for beat and showing how ridiculous they are. And like you watch it and you're like, this is so stupid. And then you think, but it is exactly like every other rock and roll biopic I've ever seen. That's awesome. I can't wait to watch it. I'm going to have to work, wait at least until I'm done with work, probably until my husband is too, just because he wants to watch it too. And now we really are done with the episode. If you have thoughts on any of the things we've talked about or suggestions or mashups you want to hear, please write us. Yes, you can do so by getting in touch on social and Ariel will see it and I I will hear about it later. Uh, social would be Facebook and Instagram where we are Large Nerdron Collider or Twitter for as long as Twitter is still a thing. Uh, I, I keep sensing forest fires over there, but we are LNC underscore podcast. Yep. I will try to get these uh, show notes up on our website. I've been real bad at it the past few months, like with all the travel and everything going on, it's been hard, but I'm going to, I'm going to try to do that. Our website is www.largenerdrunkletter.com. If you like the show, tell your friends, uh, tell your family, share episodes, rate us, review us, all that good stuff, because uh, that's how we end up with more people to goof around with. And we really love yes. goofing off with you. And I look forward to when we have six listeners. Jonathan. Until next time, I have been Ariel. I'm not going to smack Jonathan upside the head because he's on the other side of the computerverse from me. <laughs> Casting. I was wondering if I was ever going to get a last name. And I have been Jonathan. I secretly love Avatar. Can't get enough of it. Strickland. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Large Nerdron Collider was created by Ariel Caston and produced, edited, published, deleted, undeleted, published again, cursed at by Jonathan Strickland. Music by Kevin McLeod of Incomptech.com.